Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. So back in August, my wife and I went on our second clergy couple's marriage retreat. I really have come to enjoy these retreats. They're, if nothing else, there's kids the same age as Thomas that he can grow up with and, and spend time with together. This year, the retreat focused on how clergy families can enjoy the holidays together. My wife and I, we work our tails off in December and, and April, really. And there's a worry among many clergy couples that we neglect our families a little too much. So we spent this time at this retreat talking about ways that we can spend more time together as a family unit, as well as devote some time to Advent and Christmas prep, so that, at least in theory, less time needs to be spent on studying, sermon prep, liturgy prep, and more time could be spent with our families. At the very least, it was the hope that we'd be less stressed during this time. We invited a professor from Union Presbyterian, uh, to come, Dr. Richard Bowles. He led the resource time that helped us plan out our Advent and Christmas season. Dr. Bowles was an assistant professor of preaching and worship. Instead of working through the gospel text appointed for the, each Sunday, he focused on the first lesson, the, the st- Isaiah. And I thought that sounded like a pretty good idea. I don't normally get to preach on Isaiah, so I, I like the challenge of it all. And you all know that I'm very analytical in my approach to to many things, especially the gospel text. I like to, I love all the technical details of the text. I like to know all about the nuances of, of the Hebrew and the Greek. And Dr. Voles gets up and he says he's not going to do any of that. And my immediate reaction was to try to get out of the room. My wife had to hold, me, hold my hand and make sure I didn't leave because I was afraid what he was going to do. Instead, he, he was going to do a different activity for us for each week. And I didn't really like the idea at first. But it turned out to be, they were really cool, and they're really neat ways to explore the text. So for the next four weeks, our worship theme will be focusing on the text from Isaiah's. And you're all going to have an opportunity to participate in a different activity each week. So I want everybody to pull out their celebrates here. Like this, pull out your celebrates. You all should have gotten a pen right. Except our poor choir, who probably didn't get one. Forgot to bring you guys down some. I'm going to read the story of Isaiah once more through. And I want you to to underline, write notes, anything that stands out to you. Anything that sounds weird, that makes you really happy. I want you to write down all those initial thoughts that you might have. And later on, either during the distribution of communion or even at home, I want you to do something called free writing. Using that folded blank sheet of paper. I'll just take five minutes and write down everything that comes to your mind with this text. It doesn't have to make sense, but it will help you think differently about the text and see the things that stand out to you. I tried this free running exercise and I was amazed at all the things I found in the text that I probably would not have noticed just by reading a commentary. You don't need to have a degree in theology to do this, to have this text speak to you. So, everybody ready? I'm going to read the text from Isaiah once again. The word of Isaiah, son of Amos, Saul, concerning Judah and Jerusalem. 
In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountain, and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. As I said when I did this free writing exercise, I was fascinated by all the things that spoke to me in this text. I reread my notes and I thought I would expand upon them what I wrote. One of the first things I noticed is that nobody talks this way anymore. At least it seems that way. One of my favorite movies is National Treasures 1 and 2. I forced the compromise to watch this all the time. Because I love it so much. I love the themes and I love the, the storyline. One of the lines that Nicolas Cage's character repeats over and over and over again when he quotes lines from the Declaration of Independence is that people don't talk this way anymore. In one scene, Diane Kruger's character tells Cage that people don't talk this way. But Cage's reply to her is, I know, but they think that way. Many, verse 3, many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways that we may walk in his paths. We might not talk this way anymore, but we do think this way. We want to be with God. We want to learn God's ways. We want to imitate God's actions. We want to walk in his paths. If it were not so, why would any of you be here today? One of the most powerful lessons I learned in high school was from my 10th grade history class teacher, Mr. Brexler. He kept asking in the beginning of the term, why are we in school? Why are any of us sitting in this classroom? You know, up to that point in my, my high school career, I thought I had to be there. But I could have dropped out. I remember that question throughout the next 10 years of schooling. Why am I here? I don't have to be in school. I'm an adult. I stayed in school because I got something out of it. I took a small call in the two-point parish because I wanted to be there, and I felt called to that place. I, didn't ha I don't have to stay. I didn't have to stay, but I wanted to. And then I took a call here, and I've stayed because I want to be here. None of you all have to be here, but yet you are here. And I don't really care why you're here. I don't, I don't care the reasons, but I can assure you, whether you realize it or not, you are growing closer to God every time you come to worship. You are walking all that closer to the paths of God. You are learning God's ways, God's works in mysterious ways. Sometimes he speaks through people like me. Sometimes he speaks through your neighbor. But we always know God speaks through the word and holy sacraments. So yeah, we might not talk this way, but the sentiment is still true. We want to be with the Lord. We want to act like the Lord. And look at verse 4. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. 
I won't tell you what my initial thoughts were on that verse when I got there. Needless to say, it wasn't good. If this verse is true, then, then I'm in big trouble. We're all in big trouble. We all, when I look back at my mistakes, my failings, all my sins, and I realize if God comes and judges me, I am doomed. The first part of verse 4 terrifies me to death. But then I kept reading. They shall beat their, plow, their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. It's unclear who the they is in the text. But the message is very clear. At the appointed time, we will turn swords and spears into farming implements. We will take our tanks and turn them into combines. Things that used to be used to destroy others will be used to grow food. Things that were once used to create fear and terror will one day be used to tend the ground. Our weapons of war once used to destroy the nations will be used to feed the nations. President Dwight Eisenhower, after leading the NATO forces and winning War II and being elected president, decided that his presidency would move the country in a very different direction. He saw the atrocities of the war all the pain that the fighting had inflicted on millions of people, the fear that war created among so many innocent people, and he said no more. One of the best examples of this was that he moved the division of space travel out of the Air Force and made a civilian organization known as NASA. Space exploration was going to be for the advancement of humanity and not for a strategic military purpose. Essentially, the giant rocket ships that we use to send people into outer space to visit the moon, to see far off distant planets, were once used to hold a nuclear payload. That sounds a lot like beating plow, uh, swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks, doesn't it? Verse 5, it really sums up the prophet's ambitions for all the people and a great way to end the lesson from Isaiah today. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. O house of Jacob, come here. House of Jacob, get up and walk in the light of the Lord. You might not need to be here, but you are here. And since you are here, my brothers and sisters, the prophet's words are clear. Quit sitting around waiting for somebody else to do something. Quit waiting on the Lord to do this holy work. Remember I, was a, I said it was unclear who the they was. Is it God? Is it your neighbor? Is it your enemy? Can it be you? That does this holy work. How can you turn instruments of war and violence into instruments of peace? It sounds monumental, right? Especially for average citizens who do not have any legislative authority. We can't end a nuclear proliferation. We can write our elected officials, but that you know, doesn't always work. They don't always listen to their constituents. We can vote them out of office and put people in who will do this work, but that can take years, if not decades. How can you turn instruments of war and violence into instruments of peace here and now? What little things can you do starting today? The prophet tells us that a sign of God's reign involves peace. How can you bring peace to your little part of the world? What can you do this day to promote peace? To turn your swords into a shovel, your tanks into a tractor. I really don't know the answer. But what I do know is this, when you do this work, God's kingdom, God's reign gets a little bit closer, gets a little bit more real. 
The advent of our God's coming is no longer seen as legend or an idle tale, but it becomes real and takes hold in the lives of God's faithful people. God is our judge, yet God has chosen to show mercy even unto us. Sinful, violent, hell-bent creatures who want to start war instead of promote peace. God has shown mercy even unto you. Go and show mercy and peace to others.